Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. One of the things that we really wrestle with a lot and struggle with a lot is like, what is my calling? What is God calling me to do? I don't know what God's calling me to do. And the answer is extremely simple. God is calling you where you are right now, the family that you're in, the people that you're surrounded with, the job that you're at. He is calling you to minister in that specific area to those specific people. That's your calling. That's, that's the, that is the, the whole idea of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Man, you go and you work. And there's so many scriptures in the Bible, too, which is so interesting. And we can have a whole study on, on what it means to live a peaceable life. That's, that is a, that's like how, how Paul ends a lot of his books. He's like, man, just live a peaceable life. Live at peace with all people. Jesus, dude, this is something that I have been thinking about for a long time, is Jesus... The Son of God, the creator of the universe, was only on this earth for 33 years, which is a very short amount of time. And how many years was he doing active ministry? Three. So that means for 30 years, the vast majority of Jesus' life, he was going to work and he was living a peaceable life. He was providing for his family, he was being with his family. He was living life as as a human being. Was he ministering? Absolutely he was. but, But was he doing the vocational ministry, traveling around the world, preaching the good news? He only did that for three years. And we get, we get so, we, it's so easy for us to get in that mindset of, oh man, I'm a Christian, I need to go move across the country, and, and I need to share the gospel with, with, with all these people, I need, to, I need to go and I need to like jump on the streets and I need to be preaching the gospel. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, obviously, right? Can you do that a wrong way? Absolutely. I mean, we can do everything a wrong way. But what I, what I am saying is that is not what, what the standard of life is. That is not what every person is called to. But that is, so your calling, this calling that he's talking about, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, that is the calling. The calling of full-time ministry to minister to the people that you are around every single day of your life. So, how do we walk in a manner worthy of that calling? Because that is a big calling. You being a, a, the light of the world and the salt of the earth to your family, to your kids, to, to your siblings, to, to your coworkers, to your boss, that is no easy thing. I, mean, I can tell you that from experience. It's not easy. So how do we do that? The answer is in verses 2 and 3. He says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he talks about these four things, right? Humility, gentleness, patience, and then maintaining unity in love, right? Trying to work towards peace. So we're going to break down these four things. And the first thing is humility. So he says, with all humility. So what does it mean to be humble? Because this is another thing that, that I think we get wrong a lot of times in the church. Because we think that being humble 
A lot of us think that being humble is to just think super lowly of ourselves. Just always be talking trash about ourselves. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm, such a, I'm such a bad teacher. Oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm so bad at that. I'm so bad at this. And when you go and you compliment someone, and you're like, oh my gosh, Kaylee, you have such an incredible voice. You're, you're, so, you're so gifted in leading worship. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm just so bad at it. It's like, oh wow, you're so humble. No, that's not what humility is. That's not what humility is whatsoever. And, and the, thing, the thing about this that I just find so interesting is that it's like those people that, that, that talk like that, it's like they're always talking about that. They're always talking about how lowly they are and how insufficient they are. But, but that's not, that is not humility. That is just another form of pride. Because what are, what are, who are we talking about or who are we thinking about? We're thinking about ourselves. Right? If I'm always talking about how terrible I am at X, Y, or Z, who am I talking about? Who am I thinking about? Me, which is pride. Why am I talking about me? Because I like me, and I'm selfish, and I'm conceited. I'm a prideful person. That's why I'm talking about me. True humility does require, though, having an accurate understanding of ourselves. And we see this in, in Romans 12, chapter 3. And what Paul tells us to do is to have a 12 chapter 3. It says, For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. There's the word, sober judgment. Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we, we're, we're not thinking too highly of ourselves. We're not thinking too lowly of ourselves, but we're thinking of ourselves with sober judgment. We understand that we are prone to wander. We know that we, we are prone to pride. We're prone to selfishness. We're prone to lust. We, we need to understand our limits, and we need to understand that, that we don't know everything, that we don't have it all figured out. Right? Those are just across-the-board facts for all of us that we need to understand. But it's not constantly meditating on that fact. Humility is more about our view on others than it is about us. I don't know if you guys have heard that saying before, that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. So truly humble people are less concerned about themselves and less concerned about putting other people down in order to make themselves uh, feel better about themselves. But, but what it is, it's those, those truly humble people are the people that you have a conversation with and you walk away just being like, wow, like I really enjoyed that conversation. I really feel like that person like, took some time to like, like love me and get to know me and was really like, compassionate towards me and empathetic towards me like those those are the people that are truly humble when you walk away you're like wow i know i know everything about that guy's life and they know nothing about me it's like okay that guy never mind we'll just keep going (laughs) philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 8 it says do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we see this so accurately in the temptation of Jesus. 
when Satan came and he tempted Jesus, one of the things that he tempted Jesus with was that fact. He, he, said, he brought him to the, the top of the temple and he said, throw yourself off. The angels will catch you. And then that way you can show everyone, you can prove to everyone that you are equal with God, that you are God. But it wasn't his time for that yet. Jesus practiced humility. The fact that Jesus even prayed to the Father is such a significant act of humility. Being completely equal to the Father. Having all of the power of the Father. He chose to submit himself to the Father. Just to give us a picture and a view of what humility looks like. What perfect humility looks like. Jesus was more concerned about the Father's will for him than his own will for himself. And that is what perfect humility looks like. 1 Peter 5, 5-7 says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So humility, man, submissiveness, submitting, submissiveness is a word. Submission, there you go, that's better. Submission, right, is is a key aspect of, of, or or characteristic or attribute, or comes out of a root, a branch of, I don't know, words. Branch of humility, submitting to the will of God, submitting to the desires of others. Man, you want to practice humility in marriage? Man, there's marriage advice for you guys. I'm just going to keep talking about it because I'm really, I'm really excited for them. You want to practice real humility in marriage is you submit to the desires and the wants of your spouse instead of doing the things that you want. Man, and I, just saying that out loud just causes me so much conviction because I'm just thinking about all the times where I don't do that. True humility is a life of submission. It's a life of submission to God. It is a life of putting others' needs above your own, other people's desires above your own. So he says, with all humility and all gentleness. So what is gentleness? Another word for gentleness is meekness. And meekness, many people get, get meekness confused with weakness, and they couldn't be further from from the the truth of of the difference between meekness and weakness because weakness is a state or a condition of lacking strength weakness is if i cannot if i if I, if i cannot and if i don't have the ability to defend myself that is weakness if i don't have the ability to either physically or verbally defend myself if i can't do that that's weakness but meekness is strength under control. Meekness is having the exact right thing to say at the right moment to tear someone down that has either been rude to you or disrespected you, but choosing to instead be kind and respectful to them in response. That is meekness. Meekness is walking away from a fight or an argument that you know you would win. That is real meekness. Meekness is having the opportunity to slander someone behind their back, but choosing to be compassionate and considerate and kind instead. Meekness, man, is is absolutely a characteristic and attribute that we all need more of. Meekness. Man, and, me, and, and these, these all kind of go into play. The humility, meekness, and now we're going to get into 
uh, patience. But meekness, man, that is one of the key characteristics that separates us from the world. Strength under control. Having the ability to, but choosing not to, and choosing to love and be kind and compassionate instead. But now we're going to get into patience. And we, man, this is difficult because we live in such a time. We live in, with technology and everything where it's just so easy for us to get what we want as soon as we want it. And, I mean, the, the example is Amazon, right? You want something, literally name it. You want it, boom, you push a button and it's there the next day. It couldn't be easier, right? Me and my sister were doing, like, espresso tastings yesterday she works at Cartel, and she has, like, all these beans. And I was like, ooh, this is cool. It's the first time I'd ever done it. It was fun. But, um, but anyway, she's like, oh, you need a better tamp. And she literally ordered me a tamp yesterday, and it came in today. And I was like, oh, my gosh, a tamp. It was really cool. But anyways, that's, that's, I didn't mean, I wasn't planning on telling that story. But <laughs> moving on. But it's so much more, right? It's so much more than just stuff. Because that's a really, that's a really like, superficial example Right, something that, that we can just like look at and kind of like be like, oh, that's cool, and then move it. But getting getting deeper, getting more real. Are you ever bored, or is there a moment in the day of, of anything, but um, something that's that's stimulating you? The, the thing that we do is we just go on social media, we go on our phones, or we go watch TV, or we go on YouTube. Do you want to escape? your anxiety, or your problems, well, then you just go and you get some alcohol and you get wasted or you go to a dispensary or a dealer and, and you get high and you escape your problems. Are you craving, this is one that, that hits home, right? Are you craving a specific food or a dessert or something that you know isn't good for you or know you don't need, but you can just go and get it, right? In less than half an hour, there it is. You have it. Are you feeling aroused or stimulated? Man, all you have to do is go to that place or call that person or go on, on your phone or, or your computer and look at porn and masturbate. It's so easy for us to just consistently feed our flesh as soon as we want something. It's so easy for us to find that, that, that simple satisfaction that we even when we know that it is not what we should be doing or need to be doing or what is good for us. We're so prone to just go and do that because we lack patience. We lack self-control. And another word for patience in the Bible is long-suffering. Long-suffering. And that is something that we lack. We lack long-suffering because we hate suffering. We flee from suffering. We want comfort. We distract ourselves from suffering. Right In the Bible, suffering produces patience. That's what the Bible teaches in James chapter 1 and Romans chapter 5. And you can, even, you can see so many examples of suffering producing patience and, then, and producing endurance and producing character. And you look at, you look at Jesus, the, the patience and the self-control that he endured when he went into the desert and fasted and was tempted. You look at, man, the life of Joseph, I think is such an incredible picture of long-suffering. 
Because Joseph went through one of the worst experiences you can possibly go through. Man betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, slavery, wrongfully accused, put into prison. And he went through all of that. He went, man, he went to prison for doing the right thing. He went to prison for, for running away from something that would have been so easy for him. He went through all of that suffering, and God used that suffering to prepare him for what God had for him. The kid Joseph, before he had experienced all that stuff, wasn't prepared, wasn't mature enough, wasn't ready to handle what God had for him in the future. So Joseph needed to go through that. And I myself can say, say so easily and, and, and bluntly that I am the exact same way. This, this, this calling, this position that, that God has me in right now, teaching you guys, and if God would have given this to me five years ago, it, he, God knew that I was not ready for this before, before I joined them. There was a lot of growing and a lot, a lot of maturity and a lot of suffering that I needed to go through in order to grow and mature. And again, I'm not saying I'm fully mature, but I am more mature than I was. But suffering is something that is so important for us to go through because it produces strength. And that's another reason why I, I use exercise and working out as, as an analogy for the Christian life constantly because it's just so perfect, right? When you work out, it's, it, it's painful. It hurts. It's suffering. You're literally tearing the muscle fibers in your body. And then when, when you eat and you put the right thing inside of your body, those muscle fibers heal and they grow bigger and stronger. And then you tear them again. You suffer and then they grow bigger and stronger and you tear them again. And that is what suffering does. And this is, this is why I think fasting is so important. This is why I think the spiritual discipline of fasting is something that we need to exercise a lot more. I personally need to exercise a lot more in my Christian life. Because we see fasting in the New Testament as a way in which people give up food. right? Purposely go through suffering. To pour, in, to pour that time into prayer and meditating on God and his word and his beauty and his love and his grace and to, and to grow in patience and to grow in self-control. And fasting is, is a way that builds long-suffering in us. It builds discipline in us. We have to practice, man, we physically need to practice not giving in to the desires of our flesh. It is, some, it, is a, it is a decision that needs to be made that, that you can do, that, that we have the power to do through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it reminds me, as I was thinking about this, it just reminded me of this big fad going around. The dopamine fast. Has anyone heard of dopamine fasting? Oh, snap. I thought, like, everyone would. Dude, it's probably because of, like, you know how they, like, search your history on YouTube and everything, and they're like, oh, this guy would like this. And you just think everyone sees it, but you're the only guy that sees it. It's crazy. The social dilemma, right? Oh, snap. Anyways, that is a huge rabbit show that we're not getting into. But this fad, you guys can look it up if you want to, but then your YouTube is just going to be filled with it, I guess, is, uh, is dopamine fasting. So dopamine is that, that chemical that's released in the brain, right? That pleasure chemical that, that gets you to want to do something. Like when you eat a cookie and you eat like, you're like, I'm only going to eat three cookies, and you eat three, and then you're like, oh, I'll just have another one. That's dopamine being like, no, nah, dude, eat another cookie. And you're like, okay, dopamine, and you do it because your brain likes it. It likes the sugar. You, you, uh, you get, it, it's, uh, it's something that's released when you look at pornography, right? When, 
when you see porn or you see something that stimulates it, it's that dopamine that's getting released in your brain. You're like, oh, snap, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. It's the pleasure alert in your brain. So what people are doing is they're fasting. And the same thing with Instagram. Man, Instagram is just another example. There's different, there's different things that, that psychologists have put together so that you can look at it and it stimulates different things in your brain. So you want to keep going to it. it. It causes, it's the chemical that causes addictive behavior. And so what people are doing in order to get away from like being addicted to their phone and things like that is they're, they're doing like a dopamine fast where they'll put their phone away and they'll try to stay away from anything that's stimulating, which doesn't really make much sense. And there's a lot of like science out there that says that it, it doesn't. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to enhance pleasure. So it's like, oh, if I, don't look at, um, if I don't look at my phone for a week and then I look at my phone, it's going to be more pleasurable is the mindset, but that doesn't really, that's not really how it works. But anyways, so anyone can fast. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Anyone can fast, right? But it's about why we do it. That's the difference. The difference as to why we are fasting. That's the whole point I was trying to make by all of those words. So we are doing it to grow in patience and to grow in long-suffering and to live in such a way that God has called us to in order to grow in fellowship with Him and grow in fellowship with each other and not satisfy the lusts of the flesh. That is why we fast. So I, I highly encourage you guys, man, if fasting is something that you don't do in your life, I highly encourage you guys to start doing that. And there's all kinds of debate on whether fasting is just fasting from food or if fasting is fasting from things like television or Instagram or your phones. So I'm just going to tell you to pray about that. Pray about Pray about what it is that, that you feel like God is calling you to fast from. Um, but anyways, moving on, it says, finally, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So this idea of bearing with one another is like carrying a burden, is like bearing a burden. And sometimes, like I talked about in the beginning, sometimes it's hard work to be in community. I mean, if you are in a family, not everything is going to be rainbows and butterflies. There's going to be difficulty in friendships. And I'm sure Jason talked about this last week. Not everything is rainbows and butterflies in friendships. Sometimes it, it literally feels like you are bearing a burden dealing with this person or getting through this, this disagreement or argument that you are in. But you push through and you choose to bear that burden because of your love for them. I will continue to push through. And I'm not going to walk away from this friendship. I'm not going to walk away from this family. I'm not going to walk away from this relationship, even though I want to, out of my love for you, out of my love for them. So out of your love for them, right, out of our love for people, out of our love for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, you are patient with them. You are kind to them. You aren't argumentative with them. You're quick to listen and you're slow to speak. You're quick to apologize and admit fault. You're quick to forgive and keep no record of wrong. Don't just forgive and then bring it up two weeks ago or a month from now or two months from now when, when you're, you find yourself doing something that, that they call you out on. You're like, oh, well, what about when you did this? That's not what forgiveness is. Right? Forgiveness is you, you're quick to forgive and you keep no record of wrong. You bless those who persecute you. 
You bless and you do not curse them. You rejoice with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep. You live in harmony with each other. You aren't haughty, which is just another word for prideful or conceited, but you associate with the lowly. You're never wise in your own eyes. You don't repay evil for evil, but you give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, you live peaceably with all people. That is Romans 12, verses 14 through 18. As much as depends on you, you live peaceably with all people. We choose to pursue peace with each other because God has chosen to pursue peace with us. Again, we're not talking about all these things in order to live a more religious life, in order to earn God's favor. But what this is, a response to everything that we have already experienced from our God. The, the love, the humility, the gentleness, the patience, the bearing with one another. These are all things that God has done and continues to do with us and for us. And so what we do is we pour that out to the rest of the world. It's a response. It's not a religious, legalistic action. So this is what it means, man, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, Christian. Are you walking in this manner? And if not, if you're not, you're listening to this and you're like, man, I am not humble or meek or gentle or patient or bearing with, with my brothers and sisters or, or even non-believers with love, then there's good news for you. Because God's mercies are new every morning and his steadfast love never ceases. That's Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. You can repent from your sin and you can receive the grace upon grace that God offers you you can boast in your weakness like Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. And you can pursue to walk in a manner worthy of the calling out of the incredible love that God has for you and out of the, the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Man, you guys, we are all empowered with the Holy Spirit and we all have an incredible reason and a foundation to go out and live this life. With that, let's pray. I was going to keep going, but we're going to stop. Father, we, can, we come before you. Lord, and we're just so incredibly thankful for, for the God that you are. Lord, we're so thankful that, that you are the perfect example of humility, that you give us the perfect example of meekness and gentleness. You give us the perfect example of patience and what it means to bear in love and maintain unity in the bond of peace. Father, we are so in awe of the fact that you love us so much that you died for us and that you consistently offer us mercy and grace day by day. Lord, we're so undeserving of that. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are a loving creator. Lord, when we do ask that, that those things that, that you revealed to us today that, that 
we're carrying, those, those different sins that we've been walking with us, the things that we haven't even been thinking about. Father, that you revealed to us tonight. Lord, we repent of those things. And we ask that, that you would challenge us, Father, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, God, and that you would just give us the ability and that you would constantly be reminding us to walk in humility, to walk in gentleness, to walk in patience, Father, and just be eager to maintain peace with people. Lord, we thank you for, for this fellowship. We thank you for, for your word and all these people here. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor JD here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 to 28, we want to invite you to join us in person. We meet every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. Come join us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Down away.